Welcome to the Hashtag Call to Scene podcast, the show focused on the strategic disruption of the status quo in technical organizations, communities, and events. Hello, everyone. I'm smiling because my guest, I'm looking at her, she just started smiling <laughs> and it made me smile. We are happy black women. That's wonderful. Yes. That, what a way to start a show. We're going to have some joy on this podcast. Let's do exactly, it. Exactly. Exactly. So my guest today is Anaya Williams. And um, Anaya, would you please introduce yourself to everybody? Yes. Um, you're going to be really sad when I tell you that it's Ania Williams. Stop. but Because I, <laughs> I know you really were trying to get it right. And I have it right here. L- listen, everybody, I have it right here. Ania. And I still said Anaya. Oh, okay. It's no sweat. This is like, this is literally the most common uh, pronunciation of my name. That's what everybody always goes for the first time. It's actually surprising when they get it right the first time. But uh, I am Ania Williams. I'm the executive director of Black and Brown Founders. I'm the co-founder of Zebras Unite and some other things I dabble into. But those are generally my, my main two hats that I wear. All right. So um, we always ask, um, why is it important to cause a scene and how are you causing a scene? Yeah. Why is it important to cause a scene? Because, you know, well-behaved people don't make history. <laughs> <laughs> Because never and nothing ever got done by just trying to not rock the boat, I guess. Uh, um, and uh, and what am I do, doing to cause a scene? I would say I don't know. I've, I guess I've been just um, you know making trouble in the tech and startup space for a little while uh, after starting my own company and really becoming pretty intimately familiar with some of the issues of um, you know opportunity uh, for founders of color and for women. Um, usually around building companies um, and now actually kind of getting into the area just around like, you know, what's happening online in terms of, you know, radicalism, extremism online, the fact that we should be building tech that people can trust. Ooh, that last one, tech that people can trust. I'm going to write that note, tech that (laughs) people can trust and not just and not just the tech that we tell them to trust but we but they should not trust can you imagine oh wow can you oh my what what a world (laughs) (laughs) if only if only well so I don't even know where to. Okay, I will see. This is so funny because I I'm I'm just flaring it so you there was something you wanted to say before you started and I stopped you Oh, yeah. I was going to say that I've really had a great time being a follower of yours and reading your tweets. I love like I actually you're one of the few people I need to actually like make Twitter lists. I'm terrible and I haven't done that yet. So you're one of the people that I'll be like, let me see what's on Kim's timeline right now. What's she what's she reading? What's she (laughs) commenting on? So I can kind of get the happenings uh, of what I might have missed. Or is it overlapping? Are we talking about the same thing? Exactly. And I've noticed that about yours. And I've noticed, exactly. (laughs) I've noticed that about yours. I'm like, oh, okay. I can chime in right here. (laughs) Mm -hmm, All right. mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, there goes Kim. Let's see what she's saying. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So tell me about this Zebras United. What is that? Yeah, so Zebras United is something that kind of, uh, I I joined uh, a part of it with, there's three of, well, I say four women um, who are the co-founders. And, and after I had just launched Black and Brown Founders, and in fact, when I first launched Black and Brown Founders, 
I thought it was going to be like a one-off thing. Uh, it was kind of the culmination of, of a, a entrepreneurship residency I was doing with Code 2040 at the time. And um, I had my own goals and purposes around that, which we can get into. But uh, it also was very much, you know, centered around the fact that, like, how do you launch and build a startup without venture capital? Because that's what the, the narrative revolves around in tech specifically. We're talking about tech and tech-enabled businesses primarily. Um, and one of the other things that was kind of the... The, the inspiration for me to kind of want to dig deeper into that was knowing that venture capital as a, as a lane of, of financing, as a, as a type of financing is just super narrow, even though people kind of think about its applications much more broadly than it's really intended to be used for. And realizing that that's mostly because there's really not a lot of alternatives. Like you have these two ends of the spectrum, you've got like VC on one side, and maybe you've got, you know, like people using their personal credit, their savings. Um, some some loans uh, to try to get something off the ground and like very little options in the middle. Uh, and so I wanted to be a part of, of whatever it was to bring together a community of people who were interested in seeing more alternatives to uh, VC and getting investment for companies that, you know, actually wanted to not only build solutions to important problems, but also realize that they have a, 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 you know, a social impact. Like no one thinks of Uber as a social impact company, but it has a social impact, obviously. Um, and this was a community of people who knew that and also really wanted to be mindful and intentional about how they were building their company from a, a culture standpoint and an ethical standpoint. Um, as we kind of go after uh, the problems we're trying to solve. So that's great. To, and, and I love that you hit on people. Mm-hmm. This space is so addicted to the thought of VC money. Um, and it, it gets so many people in trouble. Um, so many, um, and you know, there people are thinking about, because I'm a business strategist, so I just really just don't get it. It's, well, I get it, but I don't get it. Because we've <laughs> before this whole tech VC thing, um, there were people, you know, you had money out there, but the average business did not get started seeking out the door venture capital um, you or bank funding. You had to um, do something. <laughs> yeah. Um, and now it's like people are getting venture capital money to figure out the freaking business model. They don't even know the business model. So they get yeah. to test it out. And I guess that's it's okay to some degree in the beginning. I mean, it's like, it's, uh, but when you get to Uber sides and you still don't have a business model or you get to, um, uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, we work. Yes. The, we works and you don't have a business. punching bag of the moment. Yeah. yeah it's, it's true. It's, it's, it's like you've burned through all this money. Um, and then you try to dump it on regular investors because it's, um, at some point, um, I mean, e- even, like MPM, uh, we see it in, in in smaller things where you can, the, the the business model that you're you're trying to create. I, I some I, not sometimes a lot of times I think the VC money gets in the way of you figuring out what the hell you're doing and how to do it properly. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, and I think it's a convergence of of factors. To be honest, and I also like I want to I always like to try to like make sure that I'm clear about the fact that like. I'm not anti-VC. I am, oh, I'm not either. I am pro-revenue, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, there there is an entire universe of companies that are out there that are like building in the ways that we know are like the tried and true 
business practices. But when we talk about like the tech community, we talk about the culture around like tech and startups. It's a whole other, like it's a bubble that's very insular into itself. And the way that people think kind of tends to be very detached from like realities. In some ways, it's like the environment that makes the innovation possible, right? Like by, you know, releasing yourself of some of the constraints of everyday society. But the irony of it is that there are just different constraints that they place on themselves or, or different kind of, uh, you know, little fencings that they try to kind of wrap what like deploying capital is supposed to look like or what uh, growth is supposed to look like, what markers of success are supposed to look like for companies. And I like to give VCs credit. I do think that most of them, some of them are trying to like, like think about that deeply. And, and what does that mean in terms of how they should kind of amend what their hypotheses are around how they invest? Like, you know, they have a strategy. Um, but I think that, you know, all of the other like parts around VC, like the whole hype machine as I like to call it around VC is like kind of what I think has, has created this sort of perversion of what we see that ends up in the headlines. And that has been especially prevalent in the headlines recently, right? Where it's not only, you know, what is it that, uh, like what companies are being invested in and how they think about growing, but it's the ways in which, you know, it's almost like, you know, giving a drug to like these startups where they become dependent on the way that like the capital is expected to be used. And as they give up, you know, ownership of their company and the way that influence from outside forces that aren't, you know, part of the core conception of, of the idea they're trying to, to execute on uh, become into play and how decisions get made. It becomes this this kind of environment where it's really easy for again, bringing back the word ethics, like for that to kind of get pushed out of the, the window, or at least, you know, maybe I'm bent in a way that seems like it, it's effective for the moment. But long term, when you actually extract this at scale, which now this goes into like, how do we think about the responsibility of startup founders and, and their investors? But when you apply, like when you think about Facebook, and it's just people who are in colleges, who want to like meet people and connect with their friends, like, yeah, okay, it seems pretty harmless. But when you throw all the ads in there to make it profitable and then you expand it to like literally the whole world and you have 2.5 billion people using it, like something that might have been a really small, inconsequential problem, like gets magnified to the scale where now you destabilize democracies and genocide happens and people like are terrified of the information that this thing is harvesting about them. Um, and like that is that is kind of like some of the things we have to really keep in mind around a compass when we make any of these decisions. I think VC is definitely an easy example to point at because there's a lot of money uh, under management that gets deployed. And we also know that the distribution of those things are not equitable and it, it exacerbates other problems that we're also facing. And it's, it's interesting because when you talk about this, it reminds me, so when, when you say it's different, I don't, I see the difference, but I don't see it very differently than when I was in nonprofits. So very often nonprofits find themselves off mission when they take money because there's, you know, you have to get grants. And if your if your mission is to do X, but there are no X grants right now. So you take Y grants and then you find out um, because you got to keep the lights on, you got to keep people paid. 
you find yourself easily getting off mission. You find yourself easily doing things or being in spaces that you shouldn't be that had nothing to do with your, your, um, your initial thing. So I've seen this before. What I'm, what's new for me is having to be able to scale without the processors, procedures, and policies in place. And that speaks to what you were saying about, oh, if it was just a thing for um, um, college students, that's, that's a whole one thing. But if you don't have those things in place and those people in place who can, who can bring attention to or, or highlight some of the challenges and you just scale this thing that you thought was it, at, at a one, it was innocent, but at a thousand, it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So two things. The first to the first point that you meant on the nonprofit side, like, girl, you ain't never lied. Like, I, <laughs> we can have a whole podcast keep, just about that. Girl, uh, that's what people keep telling me. Like, uh, I'm, I tell I am not a nonprofit. No, boy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's really real. And honestly, I think there's a lot of parallels we can draw between mm-hmm. like, the philanthropy world and, and the venture capital world as well. But um but I would say that like, yes, that's true. But like, I think that the, the kind of contorting contour, like the, the, the sort of Cirque du Soleil act <laughs> that, that nonprofits are trying to do to like get funding so that they could survive is really not dissimilar from what you see when you have startup founders who are trying to get started. Like the reality of it is if you have friends and family or networks where somebody is just ready to write you a check and it's not like, you know, proper VC money, like it's just angels or whoever's just like, okay, you tell me what should be in the contract like that. Like if you got that kind of setup, like, I mean, you, I mean, some of those people are getting VC too, but like generally, like, I think that folks who, uh, maybe aren't really naturally a fit, uh, for that kind of thing wouldn't be after it, but they really like, there's, like I said, there's this huge like gap Mm -hmm. in the middle. Right. Um, and so we know that, uh, like I'm remember trying to remember the statistic off the top of my head, but what is it that like, 40% 40% of Americans can't afford a $400 emergency. Yes, um, exactly. And so it's just like, we know that we're also experiencing these like huge inequalities in terms of just like income and wealth. And obviously we know in communities of color, that is especially bad, but like, I'm going to like lump our white friends in here too. Like people are broke. Um, <laughs> and, so, and a lot of people are flexing. <laughs> you know? uh, and like, exactly. Cause it's like, what's everybody's gonna, like, if you, unless you're in like an, a, a situation of extreme poverty, it's like, I mean, people aren't going to come into your freaking business meeting wearing a burlap sack and a rope tied around their waist. Mm-hmm, like, it's mm-hmm. like, we're not looking for the usual kind of, you know, trappings of, of what people think poverty looks like, uh, which I don't know that actually most rich people understand that anyway. But anyway, the point is <laughs> that like people are broke and they're trying to start companies. They have these solutions. And I'm like, meanwhile, you got to couple this with like, you see all these headlines in the newspaper, you know, like, oh, Mark Zuckerberg had a great idea. And now he's one of the richest people in the world. Like people eat that stuff. Mm, oh like, my God. Like, they eat it like the, candy. Oh my gosh. Even when I was watching the hearing with Facebook, okay. Um, the, uh, the financial, uh, services committee, the hearing that was like mm-hmm. last week or the week before mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like how many, like no, most of them, if not all of them, if I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, were like the old white dudes who were like on the, on the, um, the committee, but it was just like, how many times did they like start whatever it was that they were saying with all these platitudes about like, Mark Zuckerberg as some American dream success story and like how he embodies what entrepreneurship and innovation is supposed to be in this country. And I'm like, really, that's your bar? (laughs) 
Because <laughs> I'm like, yeah, he made a lot of money, but at what cost? <laughs> okay, so you about to take me to a whole because I was gonna ask you ask you about something else, but now you you now you t- you tap something that really gets on my nerves that these white dudes are seen as geniuses when actually they're pretty damn mediocre if they had to come from the same um, if we all were at the same starting line. How um, many times? Look, how many times have I, I? Yeah, to your point, like I say, I'm like we know that like people of color, like we'll know that we have really made it when we get to be like mediocre as fuck and getting promoted into like C-level positions, (laughs) like when you can be average and like make your way through like a predominantly white organization, (sighs) you know that like racism has been solved. Oh my. And that's, and that's what people don't (laughs) understand about. They keep, you know, wanting to pat Obama on the back for these respectable, it's like, Yeah. Do do you do you will you please stop acting like you were the average? <laughs> it's true. You, you were the epitome of a black man. You were the perfect black man man to these white people. You went from unknown to president in four years. Had it been anything else, they probably would have slapped a whole bunch of shit on you. Um, you had the perfect. You had you know they had that uh, that uh, that Harvard upbringing. That all of those things that that. It, it, it so reminds me of the podcast I do on Sundays about um, how to be anti-racist because it's so about being an assimilant, assimilationist. Mm-hmm. You are what that is. And it's not, it's, it's not any disrespect to him. But every time he says that, it just, it's like a nail on a chalkboard to me because it's like, come on, can you not even understand the level of privilege you have and that that is not afforded to yeah. the well, masses okay. at oh. all? How deep down this rabbit hole are we really trying to go, though? Because I'm like, if you really take that to to the next level out of like Obama territory, it's like, I mean, are we are examples of it too? Like, oh, I'm gonna definitely myself because it's just like the thing is that I I haven't been to Harvard, I haven't had the kind of like, you know, quote unquote pedigree that um, that Barack and Michelle like get to kind of enjoy. But I have other privileges exactly. that that I have that have been extended to me. And I know like that part of the reason why I'm able to get shit done and navigate these spaces is because white people feel really comfortable around me. And like, that's a, that is an advantage. Um, and I'm not saying that to like, you know, be disingenuous in any kind of way. It's just that like I realize that it's actually important. And like, without telling people that they actually have to compromise and assimilate, I do feel like part of what we do even in, um, you know, the boot camp that we have for black and brown founders, like we're both, uh, you know, teaching people kind of what that roadmap is to get from idea to launch. But there's a lot of personal and leadership development um, elements to it, too. And we're not like, oh, you guys need to go out there and act like white people. But we are like going to call out like if these are the people that you see as being, you know, the ones who are going to be your customers, um, then you need to be able to speak their language. You need to be able to show that you understand the problem from the perspective that they do. Um, and so like that does kind of touch into that area of assimilation. I'm not saying it's... it's but I'm going to flip the side of that because I, I got you on that. Yeah. The opposite is they never... What white um, founder is actually doing that for us, it, actually trying to learn our language, is actually mm-hmm. trying to understand mm-hmm. our as a, uh, us as a customer instead of as a monolith. Um, well, it is a thankless, like, task. So <laughs> I will say that. I'm like, just because you, you, show, you show the love doesn't mean that you get it in return. I think we're constantly getting trampled over. Oh, it, uh, um, 
even though like we've had to like, but I think really when we look at it, like it's a means of survival. Oh, oh most definitely. Right? I like, say this oh. all the time. It's like, there's, if you people understood the hoops that we have to go just to be quote unquote professional. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Right. It's so which true. changes, which changes depending on who's else is defining the professional. It reminds me of um, the, when, what was that? There was like a quick, Twitter cycle around uh, AOC was like uh, she she did something that was about code switching where like all these white people were like in a rage or confused or thought I don't know something about like something that she was like the way she was talking in one context versus the other and then like I just remember seeing all the people who like have any kind of like understanding of how the world works like explaining to these clueless people like this is how code switching works it's a real thing. Everyone in the hashtag called the scene community shares the same common beliefs based on a set of four specific guiding principles. One, tech is not neutral, nor is it apolitical. Two, intention without strategy is chaos. Three, lack of inclusion is a risk and increasingly a crisis management issue. And lastly, but most importantly, four, we must prioritize the most vulnerable. To find out more about the guiding principles and adding them to your Twitter profile banner, please visit hashtag causeascene.com. Like, people like this is how code switching works. It's a real thing. Exactly. And you probably do it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just looks differently, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like it is, it's definitely, definitely real. There was also something else you touched on when you were making the point about VC that I wanted to come back to, uh, aside from the contorting um, Thing that we were saying. What was the other point that you? Made oh, now you know I don't remember. Come on now. Forgot. Okay. If it comes back up, I'm. Um. There now was what? Else I wanted to touch on, but yeah. Um. So my question for you is: Do you know Kelly Burton? I do. Founders I do know of Kelly. Color. Yeah, yeah. When you said that, I was like, okay, yeah. Um. She's here in Atlanta. Okay. Um. So it's it's great to see that. I didn't know about her organization until we met. And, um, and so it's nice to see that there are other people doing similar or same work um, to help founders of color um, figure this out. Um, yeah. Because- you know, it's, a, it's pretty amazing. There's, there's a lot of us out there and we are like all doing what I call like kind of adjacent work. Mm-hmm. But like, honestly, there's not a ton of us that are like all tackling the pr- problem in the same way. Right. Oh, exactly. I mean, obviously I'm sure there's like, like, I'm not saying that everyone's like an original snowflake, but like generally though, like, I think we are leveraging the things that come as our own advantages to try to distribute that and scale it in a wider degree for how we can help our communities. Um, and so I think that for people who sit on the other side of the table, they probably see it as like, oh, it's like, how do I know what's the difference between this one and that one? But I think it's been like, there's a really like wonderful community that's forming. And as I am looking toward the future, I really want us like, I think our next thing, like we got to level up into doing more work as a coalition and like organizing our little, like a, you know, a transformer uh, that like everybody brings their piece to the table and becomes the thing that like is really pushing. Like we're not necessarily organized in how mm-hmm, our mm-hmm. initiatives maybe complement exactly. each other. Black and Brown mm-hmm, Founders has mm-hmm. done some partnerships with it, including yes. like um, with uh, with Kelly. Like she's helped with you know getting the word out and things like that for conferences that we've planned. I remember she and I had like a session one day when I was in Atlanta where we were just like whiteboarding out all of our ideas. And so like, we're constantly kind of like cross pollinating 
um, these things, which I love and I, it makes me so happy. Um, but we're also like starved for resources by comparison. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, if we actually like had, can you imagine, we would have fixed this whole shit. Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, mm -hmm. we could, I feel mm -hmm. like you give a black person $10 million. And, someone, and, they and that's the thing. If someone actually thing. gave us the resources, <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Girl, fuck $10 million. You, do you know what our parents did with $100 and some groceries? You know, I'm like, y'all don't even know. Y'all don't even know. Yes. But yeah. So it, that reminds me of the conversation I had with Anna Lee. And she, um, she talks about, um, because I know where my space is. And she knows where her space is. And, there, and that's the same thing. There are a lot of people doing this work. Some people call themselves diversity and inclusion experts. I don't. Because I think a, um, a diversity and inclusion should be the foundation of every business decision you make. So it should not be some, de some department off in the corner. Um, but how everyone is doing this thing. Again, like you said, the transformer. If, we, if, if everybody who has a part of this transformer got together, yeah. this beast would be... Yeah. Amazing. And I think that's like really one of the things like that, you know, yeah. <clears throat> that scarcity like element brings about in people, which is that like it, it forces you to kind of whittle your your vision down to like just what you can handle and you can see and you can control. Um, and like that makes it really challenging to work in coalition with people. I think like we're seeing a similar thing just like socially, like we take it out of the the business context and we're looking at, I don't know, like let's take you know, communities in, I don't know, West Virginia, right? Like where I'm sure there's a lot of people who are in a lot of pain um, because they don't have opportunity. They don't feel safe. They don't feel secure. They don't feel like they're, and their communities are unraveling because they have to just like, they have to be focused on worrying that about themselves and those who are immediately important to them, which is usually their family. Um, and beyond that, people just don't have the space for it. And we are like putting so much pressure on people that it makes it incredibly hard to expand beyond that when like you're like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Like you're just yep. still at that bottom rung of trying to make sure you have a roof over your head, something to eat. Um, so you're not getting to some place of like, Oh, am I really performing at my highest level of impact? Right? Like, and am I actualizing into the self I was meant to are not and the thing, conversations and the, they get to have. And the thing, though, that gets me, and, I, and this is where, that's why it's all rooted in white supremacy, because mm -hmm. it's, they can fail to see the commonality in others who are in the same struggle. And if they aligned, they would be more powerful together. And instead, white supremacy has, has, has indoctrinated us all that whiteness is, is superior so they don't see the alignment with other people who are who are in similar communities that they can align with and and and, and actually fundamentally at scale change their all of their um um situations right. and so it, it becomes it's, it's it's like you have these like we're having this conversation and we're talking about vcs and we're talking about startups and we're you know we're having this conversation and just always in the back of my mind i have this thing of Damn, wouldn't this be different if if white supremacy wasn't? <laughs> if it like, wasn't, oh gosh. Well, here's the thing, though, because I feel like if this yeah. is to your point. I'm like riffing off a little bit of what you're saying. Like, I think that, like, honestly, there has. I'm speaking specifically about America's like very special brand of racism um, <laughs> that we've yes, packaged our, and we've sold got it. We really yes. like oh, chef's kiss. Um, <laughs> like, got that shit going. 
Um, we are you know? good. <laughs> but, uh, but I think about like, you know, uh, like when we talk about coalition, it's like, I feel like, like you're to your point, it's like all of the people who are the ones that have been left behind, like the, the, the struggling, like lower class. And even in some ways, like the middle class of, of white people should definitely be on our team. Like, because yes. the thing is, is like I feel like there's this like tacit social contract that like has actually like like whenever I think that that like whenever I'm just gonna kind of lump this and sorry I'm generalizing here but let's just say whenever like poor white folks kind of try to like band together with like you know the the black folks or the the other like others the others if we're considering like if if because I think like we treat white people like they're the default so like whenever they try to band with the others. And it's like they they end up throwing them a little bit of a bone just to keep them in line on the side with like the rest of like the the kind of more well to do um, white people with more privileges and more money and more resources. And I think like we've seen that be true even back since the time of like, you know, slave revolts and, and all of that. Right. Where like there were white people who were indentured servants, too. Um, until they like changed, like until they came together to try to have an uprising and then they started changing the laws so that it was like, okay, we really just mean like these black folks, like y'all, y'all could be poor, but we'll let you be free. And and, and, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Just enough for you, just decline, but we're never. Well, that also speaks to, so now people are talking about, well, because, you know, like Irish and Italian mm-hmm. weren't white. So now people are saying mm-hmm. with the, um, the, the, the decrease in, in, in what is defined as white now, will they start um, including um, yeah. um, um, lighter skin Latinx um, individuals, um, um, lighter skin people from Caribbean islands? Uh, just because they're because the numbers aren't there um, for them to be, and so this is again is the is the fluidity of what whiteness is and the absurdity of what whiteness is. It's like you could at any moment you could be you could be out, you know. You could you could it's, it's, I mean you can be white, but if you're poor, you're not you damn sure ain't having the same experience as somebody in, who's rich. <laughs> Your diet white. <laughs> Yeah, it's like <laughs> you're you're the 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 low sugar version of of, of white, um, and it's like you'll like we won't treat you like trash when you come into this restaurant, but if you try to come to the country club, don't even think about it. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. Um, exactly. So and 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 as long as you're keeping the others out, we might even like might even let you come to our restaurant. But as long as I know you're keeping the others out. That's fine. You can stand on the outside of the restaurant. <laughs> and it's wild because I think like the way that we're built, like, you know, the way our minds are built, like we we respond to that. Right. Like it's it's, you know, kind of part of the the things that make us so good at doing all the amazing things that we do are also like they, they always have a, a dual side that just like is kind of part of all of our failings as humans as well. Um I don't know. I just think it's also interesting too. Like when, uh, when we kind of bring that, that kind of like social contract conversation into it, I, like, I do wonder about what that means when you have like, you know, even like, like we, we can look at Kanye and some of his things, uh, <laughs> lately and like, what the hell happened to that dude? Um, mm-hmm. and it's just like, Oh, okay. So now like the MAGA folks, like they're cool with Kanye, I guess. I, like, I don't know. Oh no, like, they. Be- I just saw that his album, 
just um, is number one and is tied with some um, some some record that Eminem, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're buying it, I, I, and I'm sure some of us are buying it. So um, yeah, I'm sure some of us are buying it. But I'm yeah. like, but that's I don't know. I guess like that's a strategy. Like you could be, you know, you're you're white adjacent or white aligned in a way that like they know that like okay, you're you're part of our our thing. This is actually, do you know what this reminds me of? Is some something I saw on Twitter, which was I can't remember who tweeted it, but it was a she was tweeting a comment to some, it was like a blog post on someone's website that was about like the difference between like liberals and progressives, which I thought the post was like trash, but like the comments were really interesting and very thoughtful, uh, which you obviously don't see a lot on the internet. Yeah, I was about to say, what? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, but some, this one like random comment on this random blog post um, that someone had like saw and like was tweeting about, it was like, it's like really one of the most profound things that I think I have like read, I can't get it out of my head, um, about conservatism. And he was basically saying that like, there is only conservatism, right? Like that essentially, like there's all these kinds of ways that he applies it to just like different laws of how like, you know, things get distributed. But like generally though, the, the core concept was that like, as long as there is a group of people that like the law does not bind right? That like there, then conservatism will be the only thing that exists, right? Like until there are laws that pertain equally to every person, like Mm -hmm. there is only conservatism. And then it it just kind of makes you go down this rabbit hole of like, is it actually (laughs) possible for like everything that we know about human beings for us to function in a way where like, we're not going to have some group of people that get special privileges, right? Because that's what we're talking about. Yeah. And so the thing is, um, one of the, one of, I start my talks with definitions and one of them, I start with privilege and privilege is simply people get all upset about the word. It's simply about access and who gets to use the access. Mm -hmm. And so I have a picture of, and I don't know if you know, these, these, there are these, these monkeys that are in Japan and when it's cold, they, there, you see them in these hot, sitting in these hot springs. Yeah. Have you seen those monkeys in no. National Geographic? Okay, yeah. So there are these monkeys, and they're in 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 the winter. They go to these hot. They're in these hot springs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so every time I've seen it on National Geographic or something like that, everybody just tells a great story about. Oh, this is what they do. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, I cannot remember that guy's name, but he's a British guy who always, um, Edinburgh, I think his name, last name is Edinburgh, always doing these nature shows. Oh yeah, like the climate guy. Like he's like a big scientist person, right? Well, oh, well, no, this, well, this guy's always doing like uh, animal nature shows. Oh, okay, I, okay. Um, he, he might have a climate one out, but he's always doing animal nature shows. Got it. And he was the first one I've ever heard say to break down what was really going on. What was really, what's really going on is in the hot springs, there's a matriarchal family mm-hmm. and they're the only ones that are allowed in the water. And so you see these other monkeys on the outside actually trying to gain favor so either by mating with the women and their families or trying to do favors or keeping the other monkeys up at bay so they can at least get into the water and get warm. So even in nature, there's privilege. Mm-hmm. 
So I understand that that's what, what I, I get that. It's also a conversation I have when people talk about, oh, capitalism is just the worst thing ever. Capitalism is just an idea. It's just a theory. It's how it's been implemented around the world that makes it oppressive. Um, it can definitely be, I th- it's my theory, it's my hypothesis yeah. um, that I'm going to actually do research on, is that I think it can be um, uh, implemented in an anti-racist way. Um, will it be easy? Nope. Will it be, um, will it, will it um, challenge means um, actively discriminating against some people with power so that um, we focus on the most vulnerable? Yes, it will. Um, but it's not a zero sum game because I just believe that if we focus on the people who are most vulnerable in any situation, because I, like you said, it, depending on where I am, I have privileges. But depending on certain situations, I have privileges. And I have to recognize that. And if I'm in a situation where I have privilege and I can't be oppressive to someone else, if I'm not cognizant of that, if I choose to ignore that, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. But it takes, but it takes, yes. I have to admit, it takes me to actively work against how I've been taught. Yes. I'm getting so excited right now. Please continue with that. <laughs> it so. takes me to actively throw away that Jeff Bezos and Zuckerberg and, and Elon Musk and Richard Branson are these brilliant ass people. Because when I look at damn Elon Musk, Elon Musk, you had all of apartheid at your back. Both of your parents were professors. You were able to have a computer that you could take apart and, and play with. All these different things. And if you can't say, yes, I had those advantages and how am I going to use that to benefit other people so that I am not an oppressive yeah. uh, entity yeah. on them? Yeah. That's a problem. Okay, so I'm like, I'm over here, like we're like playing double dutch and I'm like on the outside ready to like jump in. So I'm like, yeah. Yeah, no, because I was like, I was literally, I just tweeted yes. about this like a couple hours ago. Go in, ago. jump in, baby, go in. I'm like, this is, I'm like, this is like very front of mind for me, like literally today. Um, because I was, I was saying, um, you know, something similar just in the fact that, <clears throat> that like we are extremely corruptible because we always like want to act in our own self-interest, like by default. Like I think that it's a survival mechanism, but like I was saying it in the context of like, our, mm-hmm. I believe, this is my belief, I believe that like, you know, in order for us to kind of level up like our evolution to getting to whatever the next era beyond this one is where we're experiencing this inordinate amount of pain um, and we're in all this like just oh, this pressure cooker right now, right? Um, that it's going to be based on our ability to essentially like rise above what like knowing what our self-interests are our self-interests are and being able to manage them right that like we need to be able to have like the self-awareness we need to be able to have like acknowledge that all of us are capable of an exercise like both good and evil things um very fluidly depending on the context uh that like empathy and like having an understanding for other people uh, is really critical. And also like us being able to like, listen and like think critically is really essential too. that. Like all of these things are, are very, very important for, I think like how we level up as like the human race. Like if we all want to make it, that's what I think it's like, we have to be able to overcome what some of these most basic kind of, uh, tendencies are that we have. I think that we my hope is that like we've at least proven enough that like when we're mindful and we understand something that's happening, it also opens up an avenue where we get to make a different choice. So that even though it might feel 
uncomfortable and it might not be your first reaction or your first instinct, given like a moment or two to think about it, you can still act in a way that might not be purely in your own self-interest, or maybe it is in your own self-interest. And the fact that you realize that like, if you like that you're saying, right, like it's not a zero sum game. And that if you were able to give to this person or be in service of what this other person or these people needed for this one moment, that ultimately it makes your life better too, right? That like being at the top and being the fucking like the king or the king's men, oh, like I, it's a, it's a, there's a tyranny in being that person too. Mm-hmm, Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like nobody. Yeah, there's a cost to that. There's a cost. Jeff Bezos yeah. and Bill Gates, you're not winning yes. either. We're, we're all. And losers. so I say this you know same I mean? thing. I was like, you know what? I could care less if this, because people are like, well, they, people should think about inclusion occurs because it's the right thing to do. Fuck you. Okay, we're going to, I'm going to appeal. Oh, we can curse on this podcast? Yeah, girl, yes. <laughs> this is a grown ass podcast. So, <laughs> so, can I get them all out for you so you will know for sure? Yes. Yes. So, we can curse. So, my thing is, fuck this. I can, get, you know what? A whole bunch of y'all don't have no empathy or sympathy because those are some skills that you need to develop and you do not have the mm-hmm. skill. You have not done enough self reflection. You're not, so I'm not waiting on that shit. Because yeah. Uh, yeah, because I'm gonna be harmed while you try to figure this shit out. So no, 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 exactly. we're not gonna do that. You could be the biggest asshole in the world, but you know what? If you let me come into your company and I can and, and I can and you get the hell out of my way, and I can put the procedures, policies, and 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 uh, um and um procedures, policies, and and whatever the other word P I can't think of right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, all the P's in place so that your all your stakeholders, your employees, your partners, the people who buy from you and the people who invest in you have an, an inclusive experience. It is going to help your damn pocket, you fool. Thank you. So Thank shut you. the hell up. I don't need you. Your, I don't see. I don't need. And this is, no, people are selfish. But that is just how we are. It's all about self-preservation. I get it. I understand that. But what's going to happen is when this, when this motherfucker start getting money, they're going to be like, wait a minute now, hold up. <laughs> how can I do more of this? Yes, that's exactly. So that's why I keep coming back to like, one, the compass should be like, how do we minimize harm? Right. Yes! And oh, two, oh. right. Like, and not, not maximizing happiness, but how do we minimize harm? Because yes. I think we know enough about our tendencies to act in our self-interest to know that like, ultimately we're not going to like kill ourselves despite someone else, but we can make some more room. Okay. Yes. Uh, and then like two, we need to realign incentives. Right. But like, I think that um, there's a lot of really interesting ways we could talk about that in like business and like how that turns up in terms of like money, usually in terms of like it's money and power. Uh, but I think that like, when we look at it at a societal level, we don't really like, this is a recent thing. I've also been thinking about like, we don't really want to tie people's value to money and power, like mm-mm, in that mm-mm. same way mm-mm. that we might use as an incentive within the world of business specifically. Like, I think we also should just argue that like business should not have the kind of impact at, at like the, the, the governance level of like, you know, managing and moving people and, and supposing to be able to enable progress for the human race. Like, business shouldn't be so so intertwined uh in in that in the way that it is in terms of how decisions get made but that instead like our value should really be tethered to what our contributions are and how we are like actually making something better of the whole like th- those are the things that should should ultimately like 
be the deciding factors on on a person's value. But I'm going to challenge you that. I'm going to challenge you that because this is where the challenge is going to go. You you had me until you said um, until shit, you said you weren't getting before. money for it. <laughs> no 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 not that not that. Um, val- it was the value thing mm-hmm. because. This is why I don't like when people talk about nice, fair, because only people in power get to define those I mean, I'm not saying it would, like, it depends on, like, what we're talking about with fairness. I honestly think, like, and this is also, like, I guess maybe it might feel like even a a contradictory view to what I just said. But I think that, like, fairness, just in terms of, like, everybody having the same or, like, some equal thing, I don't think that that's realistic. I don't think we'll ever get there. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think that that's possible. I'm now ready to articulate and to publicly share my need to shift from causing the scene. Currently, this work, this push for equity, for minimizing harm, and for prioritizing the most vulnerable, is collectively viewed by many as noise, bullying, troublemaking, as contrarian for controversy's sake, rather than what it is, a necessary evolution for the overall health and well-being of those who work for us, partner with us, buy from us, invest in us, and society as a whole. My focus from this day forward is to forge a path to welcoming and psychological safety in systems, institutions, and policies at scale because I will no longer put new wine into old wineskins. My team and I will be spending the next few months making the necessary changes to ensure that my new commitment to doing the proactive work of leading a movement framed by the guiding principles and seen through an anti-racist lens strategically happens with a relaunch on Juneteenth. To be kept informed of our progress, please follow me on Twitter at K-I-M-C-R-A-Y-T-O-N-1, Kim Creighton 1, and on our new Kim Creighton's Community Cafe Discord server. When I started Hashtag Cause a Scene in 2019, it was out of my frustration that no one was listening. Now that you're listening, it's time to get to work. Thank you for the years of support, and I'll meet you on the other side. Have a wonderful day. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think that that's possible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To me, it's not about, it's not right. about equality, exactly. it's about equity. Right, like, I don't think that, like, like the whole, because that's also the other thing, like, people love to take these arguments into this, like, super binary place where it's just like, Oh, so you don't believe in oh. capitalism. You want us to all be like, you know, socialists, whatever. We're all going to be eating potatoes Socialist. on the bread line. <laughs> and it's just like, it is not yeah, that fucking yeah, deep, yeah, okay? Yeah. Like, just because I don't think that people should have to live on the street so that, like, Jeff Bezos could make one more billion dollars every minute. Like, I really, I think that those are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but And I'm not giving up my crab legs, so... <laughs> She's not giving up the crab legs, y'all. But yeah, so it's just like, I think, (laughs) like, yeah, so like we're assuming that like, you know, everything being exactly fair all the time, like, I don't know that that's possible, but like we could come a little bit closer to, to it than, than where we are today. But how I get around this and having this conversation is making me realize how I've gotten around this. Mm. It's, it's so the, 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 the hashtag cause the scene has four guiding principles. One is. Um, tech is not neutral. Mm. Two is um, intention without strategy is chaos. Mm-hmm. Three is um, lack of inclusion is a risk management issue. And four is, and they go from 
the the most important is the is is the fourth one. Um, we must prioritize the needs of the most vulnerable. Yes, that's how I and just having this conversation with you. Thank you for that. You've helped me because that's how I. It's not about fair to me. I don't I don't care about fair because I, and I used to say this even when I was in teaching and I didn't understand it until I was like, yeah, only the people who are in charge get to say who the hell what the hell is fair is, and that changes day by day. Mm-hmm. But if I go into going back to your. And I just found your tweet going back to and I was I was reading it earlier. That's why I was like, I knew exactly what you were talking about. Um, Going back to how we mm, I don't even know if I'm going to say suppress or supplant because it's not even that it is momentarily putting aside. um, Or, oh, oh, even better. Can we expand our definition or ideas of our own self-interest to include behaviors that ensure that we're minimizing harm and prioritizing the most vulnerable. God damn, that was good. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. That was amazing. I mean, and I think like there's a, there's like also like a little sub like theme in, in what, what you're talking about right there that you didn't say explicitly, but like, I do think that like curiosity is like a real driving mm-hmm. factor there. Um, and I don't mean curiosity, like in the way of like, you know, those people that hop in your mentions with some old bullshit, like, oh, can you explain this to me? Um, but I mean it like Girl. in the way of, <laughs> of the fact that we, we should never accept anything. I think like, I mean, I should say never accept anything, but there are very few things um, that I think we should accept as like, you know, truths that are true for in perpetuity for all time. And I think that like, like rules as a system, right? We're talking about people following the rules, right? I'm going to give you an example. I knew about transgender individuals for a very long time, uh, for longer than most, because I remember going to see Paris is Burning. Mm. I remember I actually worked um, and that was in the 90s when that movie actually came out. And I actually worked at Chicago. One of my first jobs was working as a receptionist for a doctor in Chicago who had a practice, and I didn't even know this at the time, but his clients were transgender individuals. So they would come there to get their counseling. They would come there to get their medications. They would come there to get um, everything. And um, and it was only, you know, being there for a while. And I was like, ask, they were, you know, they allowed me to ask them questions and stuff like that. But I can tell you that my idea of that was very binary. I did not my understanding of what transgender or gender period has been fucking blown out the water being in tech over these past five years. Compared to like what even being in like the element or like then there, sorry, I'm not saying this right. Being in the office. With, with, so you're saying with, like you were in an environment where like literally that was like the work that they were doing. Yes. And, like, and you're saying that even then that was more binary than that like, was because you it, think of the whole spectrum. of Exactly. Stuff. Because no one was talking to me about um, non-binary. No one was talking to me about, um, 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 pronouns. Nobody was talking to me about all these things that I'm learning and accepting and saying, you know what? It might not impact my life directly, but I recognize that they're in the, uh, first of all, I, as a black person, am used to people, um, 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 debating my humanity. Yeah. So I'm never going to do that to another person. So I'm going to, I'm going to extend that to you, that you are a human. And you deserve to, to be show up as you choose to show up because I'm also a person who my whole life has been just me or tried to be me and being grown up in the South was told that was not the right thing to do. Um, so I've always been fighting just to be me. So I'm, I don't 
I don't necessarily, and this is what people like who, that's the thing I don't, don't like about empathy because I don't have to have your same experience to understand that you have a right to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, even then, and so that's why I thought I was, you know, you know, cosmopolitan. I knew some stuff back then. Yeah. And, and now I'm like, wow, okay. So I didn't, I, the stuff I knew was baby steps. Yeah. Um, so even when I have conversations with my friends who've never had that experience or who are not in tech, I really have to sit down when we're at lunch or dinner, we have conversations about how to, uh, pronouns, um, why are they important? That, uh, because I recognize that there are people who are not, don't have the benefit of the, of, of the education that I'm receiving from trans um, and non-binary people. Um, and, and I need to pass that on because I want to make sure that my circle of influence are not causing unintentional harm That's to the real, most vulnerable. For sure. Yeah. No, I, I think about that. Um, similarly, I mean, I didn't have the experience that you had, but in my own, it's just been like, you know, I realize all the time, like even when I'm, when we're just like maybe creating registration forms for an event that we're throwing and we're like, kind of like, oh, okay. Like we, we've gone, for instance, from um, doing like the radio button, like check your, which, which one kind of thing to just like putting an open text box. Cause I'm just like, you know what? Like, I feel like we're, we're here. Like we're all like our whole team. um, We're not all heterosexual but we all like are cisgendered Mm -hmm. and I was just kind of like okay like uh, we're thinking about this from a frame of our own like minds and I really I'm just like honestly like I don't think that it matters that it actually fits very neatly in this box like it matters that we kind of get an idea of like what is the gender spectrum of the people in our community um and like just even like understanding switching a radio button to an open field and like why mm-hmm. that might be important like was a as a whole journey that i had to to go on but i think like if we're comparing this to like the conversation we we're having earlier with like white people i think that like or you know people that have a lot of white privilege is that they're not even like asking themselves the question of like yes. is that something they should have to care about but like, i'm gonna explain to you why they don't you i'm know? gonna explain to you i'm gonna t- tell you why well first of all i want to make one point i was looking at some financial aid papers on um you know from the finance from from the federal government financial aid papers mm-hmm. they actually have just male female as gender i'm like this is fucking financial aid for every student in the country mm-hmm. and this is the only thing you have is male and female that's a problem that's very mm-hmm. problematic but i'm gonna tell you why they don't think about that because whiteness is never ever been examined until now. It's mm-hmm. never had to consider anything else. It's always been the default. So it has been the right. It has been in the number one position. So if I'm in number one, I never look behind me. Mm-hmm. I never have to examine what's going on. I'm, almost, I'm always, this is not the race where I, if, I, if, I, if I mispractice, I might come in third. If I break my leg, I might not perform. I can mm. mispractice, break my leg, have mono, um, <laughs> be pregnant, and I still will start in that first position. Yeah. So they've never. So this is what I'm finding in hashtag causes and community, and this is where this, I swear to I swear to God, this education background of mine that I hated is coming into play because I treat it like a high school classroom. And I understand that these some folks, most of these folks don't have these skills. This is why I say fuck you on empathy and, and compassion. Yeah. Folks don't have this. You have to have be have a practice of seeing other people um, and, and making decisions 
that impact other people and caring about that. And I'm not saying that 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 is, I mean, I'm not saying it on the individual level. See, this is where I don't want to get in that conversation. That's why I say whiteness, just like you say, black folks, we're going to all be, we're going to all be grouped together. So I'm talking about groups here. Whiteness has never been analyzed. So it's never taken the time. It's never, this is another reason why they don't have coping skills, their resiliency skills or shit because they've never had this much angst. They've never been uncomfortable like this before. They've never been in situations, even when they've been poor, yeah. they've never had to consider a lot of the things that a poor black That's person so would have to consider. I mean, you're saying that and I'm just like, oh, it's like my my heart, like I feel, I feel that pain on both sides, right? Because I like to think that I, I have some empathy. Yes. And that's why I can do this work. It's like, ah, you're ignorant. Yeah, but I was going to say, because like at the same time, I also can think of at least like a handful of friends who I, I love very dearly who are white dudes and occasionally will have a moment where like something will be discussing. And it's just like that little, that like entitlement comes out in a way where I'm just like, like I have to check them on that. And I'm like, wait, are you saying this? And like, I think when someone mirrors it back to them, they're like, oh, wait, no, that's not yep. what I'm saying. And I yep. realize why that's wrong. But I'm just like, yeah, but like also it's, it's so baked into like the very core parts of them where they, they do feel like they're supposed to automatically have something and that when they don't get it, it is immensely frustrating experience oh for them. It like is, it's like, you know, yes. they devolve into something that they don't think that they even are as a person at times. And I'm just like, you know, this is the world that literally all the rest of us always live in all the time. Yes. <laughs> like this is literally, this is what life is. And this is why I say whiteness is racist by design and cannot be trusted by default without consistent mm-hmm. demonstrated anti-racist behavior. I don't care. You can get mad at me because I, I have, I, I have, there are five white people in my life that I trust. Five, five, and I, I mm. right, count them on my hand. Is five, three are men and two are women. They have worked very hard to 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 prove that they can be consistent. And even they have done things that were not intended to harm me, but have. So if I know that these people are working to be anti-racist constantly, and they still make make those kinds of errors, the average person who's not doing this work is going to be doing it constantly. It's hard. It's really yes. hard. It is untrained. It is. It's, it is. It's really hell, it's us too. I talk about how much internalized white supremacy and anti-racist, I mean, anti-blackness, I've had to even address in myself. Oh, hell yeah. I still struggle with that shit all the time. Oh, you're going to be think- struggling with There is no endpoint to this shit. Yeah. Because <laughs> we have been, we have been baptized in the waters of white supremacy and... All you can do every day is walk this journey and just try to say, okay, what can I do to, as you say, Mm -hmm. as I say all the time, minimize harm. And when I do cause harm, Mm -hmm. can I, what can I learn from it and make amends? That's, that's the best we can do because there is, I don't, I I don't see in my lifetime a place where we can ever get to where we aren't causing harm. Yeah. There's zero harm. I don't think is ever. So now let's go back to our businesses. And this is yes. what pisses me off when we, 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 we are stole all this greatness on these companies that continue to cause harm. They're not even trying to minimize harm. That's when it hurts. That's when it feels like that. When you watch that, the Zuckerberg hearing, like that's when it feels like a slap in the face. This, oh I was God. about to use yeah. the <clears throat> word, uh, like this dude nope. is not, 
No, what, what, what word? Now you got me curious. What actually, word I use? do in, uh, you know, certain company use the N word. I'm going to say this. Oh, nigga. <laughs> but I'm like, I don't know who listens to this. And this I don't know. And they better not say that shit. Here. You better. Okay, hold on. Let's stop right here. Oh, N-I-G-G-A. That's nigga, not nigger. And no, you better not, not say same. either goddamn one of yeah. them. Uh, listen to me, audience. <laughs> Let me, I'm, t- I'm talking to you white people in this audience. I'm like, you okay. say that shit in front of me and I'm going to fuck off. <laughs> it should not come out your goddamn mouth. Are These like, are two black women talking about our experience. Exactly. We are keeping it like one milli right now. And I'm like, so I want to like, you know, when I'm very like when like black people call all people the N-word in when they're in very comfortable company. Uh, like it depends. It's an emotion. It's just like when you say the F word, sometimes it's like, oh, but it's like you're not talking about like I think that I'm like, I'm trying to translate this for the white people. Listening. Well, a guy did a really good tweet, and he and I can try to find it because he he talked about the difference between the word nigga and nigger, and we've never we've never appropriated the word nigger. We right, changed exactly. it into nigga. I'm definitely yes. talking about nigga with an a at the end, and like it can be insulting. Yes. It can also be a term of endearment, like it can be said out of love. Oh my god, yeah, that's my nigga right there, so boy. Like, yes. When I say it in the context yes. of the fact that I almost called Mark Zuckerberg the N word, I meant it in terms. Of, it's because like uh, sometimes <laughs> I will say it in a way where I'm like, it's just surprise. Like I say it, and like when someone surprises me in a way where I was not expecting it, like and it just came so far like left that i'm just like nigga like you just it just comes out but you're like i can't <laughs> believe that shit like that's that's how i meant it i don't think that yep. yeah yeah you, baby you ain't got to explain this shit to me and fuck the, and fuck i'm like trying yeah. to give them okay. a little bit of cultural all right, all right. so anyway my point is that like they ain't gonna do nothing but appropriate it in the damn way so it was so infuriating to me because i feel like in his responses it was like all the subtext of what he was saying was like literally that he's not planning on doing anything differently than he has been doing. So why are you wasting my time coming up here? Thank you. Like I felt, I was so proud actually of the the house committee. Like they came, they stepped correct, like with the questions. And I was really excited. Who was the black lady? I couldn't remember that black lady, but she broke his ass. Oh yeah. She I think it was Representative Beatty. Like she was, she broke his ass. Because I was like, oh. everything around me stopped when that. Ha- I was like, oh, 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 yes, exactly. She's oh. like, oh, when people told me you were, pearls, people, she was like, they told me you were scholarly. So, um, <laughs> yeah, is that not true? Did, I mean, did you not? Re- oh, I did. So, so you're saying no one in your crew, nobody in the crew read no. what I sent ahead of time? Exactly. Then, oh, oh, okay. You're scholarly, right? Because you can't Came read. Girl, she did him like a, a, a damn auntie, a black auntie. Yes. Mm-hmm. We all been that person. Like, if, you've been, <laughs> if you're a black person, you have been that person mm-hmm. when somebody yes. came at you that way. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so exactly. But I was just like, you know, it was wild to me because I'm like, there's like no sense of accountability um, within any of the, the the things that he said. Like, I mean, we're building sophisticated tools. Like, it's supposed to be a satisfying answer the fact that like people are literally like dying uh, and being radicalized and it's causing like mass violence and like there are just like like civilizations are crumbling but would a black person been able to get up there and say the same shit they would not get away with it exactly but (laughs) yeah so i just yeah so so but all back to all the things it's like i get it like having a soul and like acting on on those things is is hard guys it's not easy (laughs) Uh, if it was, we wouldn't be here where we are today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I believe in you. This is my message to your audience. <laughs> I believe in you and you can do it. 
and we are in this together and we will figure this shit out together. Yep. Cause um, we get like, there together or not. Uh, we get that together or not at all. It's like really the, the journey of us becoming better as a society is like, honestly, like this, it's the journey of each individual person trying to really be a better person. And to me, being a better person is like, committing to a willingness to always be learning, always be willing to learn specifically about yourself and change, mm-hmm. change the parts of yourself that are causing active harm to other folks. Those are the parts mm-hmm. that we want to throw mm-hmm. away. We don't want to keep those parts. You want to like, maybe mm-hmm. just like put it in like some old compartment that you sort of like lock up <laughs> so that like literally if there's chaos and like someone comes to you and starts <laughs> slaying people in their sleep, you can get a gun and shoot them before they kill you. But aside from that, like, just don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. we need the dark as much as we need the light, but like, we don't need the dark as much as we are like wielding it around today. But That's you know what? We've, we've, we've spent enough time in the dark. We've been in the dark. Can we practice being in the light? Yeah. Like if we could just turn toward the light, like more, like if we, if we're just like kind of recalibrating here, like, we we definitely like need to shift another so many degrees here. And then just even saying that, I'm realizing how anti-black that statement is. God oh, damn it. Oh, shift toward the light. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I said it. I said we've had enough black, a dark, and sh- and it's so. And but even that yeah. is anti-black. Well, oh, so it's a part of it's. <laughs> oh yeah no i'm not beating myself up over it but i'm just i need to educate it's all about it's all go. education so because if i said that and and not corrected myself there's some asshole That's in this true. community who will say that and and run with it and make a you know no we're not doing like, that you're right though. we're not doing you're right that. uh so like, exactly just, i don't give them a break at all i don't give them i don't believe in uh a benefit of the doubt so how they've had enough <laughs> so like so if i could if i could even like you know, leave this thought then uh, since we don't want to, we we're like very carefully trying to choose our words here, but um, not that carefully, but you know, as, <laughs> in as much as it makes for an interesting conversation, but like, okay. So taking it from light to dark to, um, you know, this, this thing, what's effective versus what's ineffective, there right? You go. Mm-hmm. Like, is mm-hmm. this effectively achieving the goal that we set out to do? And like, when you answer that question, keeping that in the frame of are you also making sure that it is like minimizing harm like along mm-hmm. the way do you know what i'm mm-hmm. saying it's like mm-hmm. are you effectively doing this or are you not effectively doing it? if we want to feel safe in our homes and out in public is like banning guns an effective way to achieve that who would be harmed by applying laws around banning guns who would be saved like can we make a, a decision on the basis of that like i feel like that's kind of like and obviously, like, this is an oversimplification of, like, very complex issues, but, like, just giving us that as, like, something that we can all agree on how we act in service of, of that and keeping that frame in mind. We're all on the same playing field, even though we all believe different things. Nobody wants to so, be harmed. So what's funny, I'm laughing, is because you said it's an oversimplification. And that's the shit we get in people coming to your mentions with some bullshit. Oh You're gosh. like, wait a minute. It, it, Really just went to elementary school. You pulled that one from elementary school, right? You didn't even, you, you didn't think you, there was no depth of thought into that statement you just made, right? <laughs> That's what sometimes you get it. And it's like so much so that you're just like, is this person fucking messing with me right now? Because <laughs> it's like, I get that all the time where I'm like, okay, I really try to like, if someone seems like in, they're doing it in earnest, like they're genuine, 
I will like really try to until I'm just bored of talking about it. Like I will totally like engage with them. Oh yeah, you we have a whole different strategy. Yeah, I mean I like I love the conversation. I learn so much. I love learning. So I'm just like you have to come. You have to come correct with me. Oh, that's how Marco is. That's why everybody like that. I every especially all my white people that I know who follow Marco, they're always like afraid of commenting on his stuff because Marco will. He has no chill yeah. on Twitter. You need to be fucking afraid. Make no sure you go, on go, go, go do some fucking homework before you say something. I know. Shit. That's like my. I, that, I mean, and the only reason I say that is how much effort and, and, and thought do we have to do before we speak? <laughs> See, this again is the thing. I'm, I'm going to hold you to the same standards you've been holding me to. That's fair. It's fair. That is fair. But. And I'm defining what the fuck fair you, is. You <laughs> do it. I'm like, but my approach is like, you know, you get more flies with honey than vinegar. Okay, I could get, I could give a shit about flies. So that's that that that's their job. That's to right. do. Now I, I and again, everybody has their place. And that, we're going back to the transformer. There needs to be somebody at doing that work you're doing. I'm not do, I'm not the one. <laughs> You're like, I won't be that part of the transform. I'm going to be over no, here. No, I won't be that part of the transform. And nope, I'm not going on that end. <laughs> I fit up over here, not over there. Exactly. That's cool, too. <laughs> no, I'm, I want to have a dissertation damn conversation. I'm not trying to do that preschool <laughs> shit over and over and over again. Yeah. I need to scale these conversations. I can't have the same ones That's over real. and over again. Sometimes when they do come at me with some very like remedial like level, I'm just like, can you just Google this? Like, just put that questioning google and come, come well, back see that's not even my that's not even my job the community's job is to say that <laughs> if they I, that, i'm not even gonna say that shit i'm just gonna flag it com- comment retweet and y'all <laughs> deal with this shit right here because i'm not dealing with this shit <laughs> this is beneath me <laughs> take care of this take care of your friends i'm done yeah go get your mans <laughs> This has been great. Oh Any final words? Um, I feel like we said all the words. We said all the curse words. We said the N word multiple times. I don't know that there's any words we have not said on this conversation, but I have very much enjoyed it. And hopefully people don't think uh, I'm as nutty as I'm probably coming across on this podcast. Although, oh, I'm, honestly, I am a little bit nutty. Yeah, screw We all are. <laughs> Whatever. But but I still love y'all, though. I do. <laughs> I love everyone. Yeah, you're going to have to do some work for me. So, um, everyone else. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been amazing. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for having me, Kim. All right. Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Hashtag Call the Scene podcast. And I'd like to thank all our current sponsors of the podcast and the hashtag Call the Scene movement. Of course, we strongly encourage everyone to become an individual sponsor of the hashtag Call the Scene community. Just visit the website at hashtag callthescene.com to sign up today. On behalf of everyone here at hashtag Call the Scene, we'd like to thank you again for listening to today's show and have a wonderful day.